I told you we'd be back, and by we, I told you Lou was coming back eventually. Life was going to get out of the way, so say hi, Lou. Hi. See, there you go. I have proof I'm Lou here. still exists. I didn't, like, bury him in the backyard or anything. As tempting as that sounds. <laughs> Don't tease me. So, we have gathered this week to tell you that man's rules never rule. Now, we are calling an audible simply because sometimes things go on in the world that are worth dealing with right now. We don't want to, but they're just worth dealing with right now. And again, as much as we would like to think that we will, Lou and I have acknowledged, well, we've said it out loud. We don't know if we've acknowledged and internalized it yet, that we are not going to solve all of Western civilization's problems. We would like to, but we're not. <laughs> so I thought about it. I prayed about it. I feel really good about where I'm at. I'm going to try, but we're not going to solve them all. Right. Right. We're not equipped to do that. That's... <laughs> That's a God thing. Exactly. So what we are going to attempt to do, though, is make these theologies of Scripture practical in the world that we live in, which means if something comes along in the world that we think we can make sense of and it applies to a theological doctrine or area of expertise, then we think we should dive in and deal with it. That is what is going to go on today. So we are going to deal with a current event afflicting the church today. And I think that's the right way to put it, is the church is being afflicted in this area. But we are going to deal with it through the lens of Christian theology. And by that, you can read biblical theology, because the minute we stop doing that is the minute we have surrendered all high ground. We have, shield, we have sheathed the weapon, and we are standing where all men are, which is in the wisdom of the world, and we are of all men most miserable. Sound like a plan? Very well said. Yes, so, like let's dive right in with Psalm chapter 2. As Lou said, one of my favorite psalms. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you bring it up quite a bit. Because it's, it's, it's applicable. Why are the nations in an uproar, and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers take counsel together, against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, you shall shatter them like earthenware. Now therefore, O king, show discernment. Take warnings, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence, rejoice with trembling, do homage to the sun that he not become angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. Dun, dun, dun! You said a mouthful. I did. Now it's time to explain a mouthful. <clears throat> so, let's dive right in. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Pick me, pick me. I know, I know, I know. You ready? Wait for it. The great theological truth of our day. Sinners sin. No. Yes! A lot even. 
Yeah. Quite a lot. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? Sinners sin. The nervous some people. Again, the Psalms make make sense of this. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek after God. They have all. Theological conundrum here. What does all mean? All. All have turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. There's a song about that, right? No, not one. No, not one. I don't think it's talking about that, but it should be. (laughs) We need more Psalm 14 hymns in church. That's what we need. We just need to recognize where we're coming from. We need to recognize that we sin quite frequently, all day long. (laughs) Amazing how that works. Uh. I'm playing. I'm, I'm doing double duty. I'm talking. I'm reading. I'm and I'm playing with the sound system with a little. What this, is this? Connects. I'm not sure what that is. But yeah, it's yeah. a little stick because of where the table is. I can't reach the sound system directly, so I have yeah. to reach with this little toy. It's funny. He's got gadgets everywhere. Guys. Yeah, I got a water bottle. I got a tablet. I got a clipboard and a phone and a pen and. Yeah, what is the, the these things are called something? They're not. Are they? Are they called connects? You make cars and boats and stuff out of them and buildings and anyway. <sighs> Nobody asks. You're like, get on with it, man. Yeah, it's been repurposed. <laughs> exactly. So, the nations are in an uproar. The peoples are devising, devising a vain thing. Why? Because they're dirty, rotten, evil, wicked sinners, and that's what dirty, rotten, evil, wicked sinners do. We need T-shirts made. <laughs> dirty, evil, rotten, wicked sinners sin. I like that one, and, and you like to say pagans be pagan. And yes, pagans be pagan. Another, that's yo. another good one. Yeah. Yo. Yo, we got to have the yo on the end. Yo. The pagans yeah. be pagan and yo. Wait a minute. Do I need to be canceled now? Have I just culturally appropriated? Well, you're just talking slang, man. It doesn't mean, <laughs> doesn't mean what the Wait, Eminem's a rapper, so I'm allowed to culturally appropriate that culture. I think he's repented of his whiteness, too. Has he? Yeah. I mean, if there's ever a white dude. Yeah. Eminem was a white dude. Yeah. White, buzz cut, bleach blonde from the hood. I'll never, I'm never in a million years. I, I, one of these days, I have to tell you the story about my rural hood kid. Doing, there was a youth pastor in a church of like 200 people in the middle of nowhere, and it is in the middle of nowhere. It's in eastern North Carolina. Like it's it's in a crossroads, and like four miles in either direction are more crossroads. Mm-hmm. And this kid came to Bible study on a Wednesday night. He was acting all big and tough, and he's like, "Man, you need to respect me. I'm from the hood." I looked at him, man. You're from Conway. I live in Conway. It's got 400 people in it in an apartment complex. You just happen to live in the apartment complex. There is no hood in Conway. Oh, my. <laughs> he just gave me this dirty look. Man, man, I, I'm rough. No, you're not. You're 16. Be quiet before I have to hurt you. <laughs> All the people that were scared of him in my youth group are like, what's going on? I'm like, if he gets dumb, bad things are going to happen to him. He left. Oh. <laughs> I would not respect his thugness. Oh. <laughs> I often wonder what happened to that kid, and then I'm like, you know what? I don't want to know. I would ask, but somebody just might tell me. <clears throat> so these sinners are sinning. The kings, how are they sinning? They are the kings of the earth taking their stand, and the rulers are taking counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. This is not a good idea. Like, of all the plans that you could possibly assemble, warring against God is probably not on the list of smart things to do today. It's a losing team. Yeah, well it is, which is why they're doing it, because sinners sin, and by definition, sin is an affront against God. Read Psalm 51, it will do you good. This is what you see from the beginning. The curse against the serpent, enmity between you and the woman, your seed and her seed. See, that implies that the serpent has what? 
He has a seed, and he does. He has offspring. Who are his offspring? What is his offspring? His offspring is wickedness, deceit, everything that's in uh, Galatians 5, what is it, 19 through 21, and everything that's in John 8, 44. So malice, slander, you know, murder, lying, all that, all that good stuff that you don't want to be a part of, the stuff you try to get your kids not to do, right. yeah, that's the fruit of the serpent. That's his offspring. It's the exact opposite of God and his ways. You know, exactly. His exactly. Right. And the problem is because sin has come in through Adam and Eve, it has corrupted everyone. You see this in uh, Genesis 6-5. You see this in Genesis 8-21. We mentioned this before a couple weeks ago. You see before the flood, every thought of man's heart is evil inter- uh, continually. All day. You, you see it after the flood. Yeah. Noah's been redeemed of the waters, right? But yet the thoughts of man are what? Wicked, sinful, evil. In other words, there are none who seek after God, none who do good. No, not one. No, not one. And there's a little dance now that's going with it. I'm adding a yeah, dance to it. Yeah, you guys should see this. Yeah. So, notice though the adjustment here. Well, not an adjustment. The slight addition here in Psalm 2. See, I'm emphasizing the word Psalm here for a reason. Lou, you ready? Yes. World's easiest trivia question. Okay. Well, probably not the world's easiest, but as far as Bible knowledge goes, this is pretty easy. Psalm 2. Right-hand side of the book or left-hand side of the book? I just, left hand. I just confused Lou with his left and his right. It is, yeah, it's just kind of, it's, yeah, it's, it's it's left hand side. That would be the which testament? The first. The first one. So yeah. it's, it's the old testament. It's okay. We can use the colloquial terms. No lightning won't strike you. <laughs> that bugs Lou. That we're like, it's not an old covenant. It's not gone away. I get it. So it's old testament. So typically in time, the way human beings experience time, no trick questions here, the Old Testament books occur before or after the incarnation of Christ. The physical incarnation is before. They're before. Yeah. Right, right. So, because, uh, you know, he's the ancient, called the Ancient of Days. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's why I said, as end. human beings experience time, I'm not trying to trick you here. <laughs> There's no gotchas here. Like, right. nobody jumps out from below the, the below the desk with one of those le- uh, yeah, wooden sledgehammers and, yeah. and like, ah, whack. So this is before Jesus, mm-hmm. against the Lord and against his anointed. Hmm. See, now that yeah. gets to your point about ancient of days, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. We're going to get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. They are against God and against the kingdom that God is ushering in. Remember, who will rule over the kingdom that God is ushering in? The son. His anointed, his yeah. son, the seed of the woman who will crush the seed, the seed of the serpent. And this is prefigured in Genesis 3. This is promised to Abraham. This is prefigured in the work of Abraham. This is prefigured in the work of Joseph. This is prefigured in the work of Moses. All of these things are pointing to Christ. Yeah. If you want to have good examples of this, um, go back and listen to Sunday's sermon. And then listen to this Sunday's because it's the same topic because it's building in how Exodus is even pointing to this. Beyond just the physical event, the wandering in the wilderness is taking an opportunity to point to Christ. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and end, the one who is and was and is to come. Definitely a messianic psalm for sure. Absolutely. So, and they're saying what? Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. Now again... Jesus has a light burden and an easy yoke unless you're a dirty, rotten, evil, wicked sinner. I think I've added an adjective in there. So we need to expand the T-shirts. We've got to make sure we include everything. We can use both sides. We'll do it like those baseball jerseys when the guy has like 75 letters in his last name and they start on one kidney and go up and around his back and go to the other one. Yeah, We can that, do it like that. that we'll just, work. Yeah, we'll do it like a, like a, 
Oh, we do like what is what's that called? Spiral. Yeah, spiral. Thank you. Technical terms. Yeah. I'm like, what well, the little. I was like, I'm doing the motion in the air, like the spinny thingy that makes you dizzy. We'll write it in that so people have to read. And we can spin the T-shirt, hypnotize them, and then smack them upside the head with the Bible, and they'll get saved. That's my new evangelism plan. Oh wow, that might work. <laughs> Lou's like, I get to hit somebody. I'm good. That might work for me. <laughs> Nehemiah 13 Ministries coming together, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that is my favorite Bible verse. No matter what I might say about one of my favorite Bible verses, Nehemiah 13.25 is my favorite Bible verse. And quarter, I beat them about the head, and I pulled out their beards, and I made them swear by God. Yes. See, this is a discipleship program I can get behind. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. You think it'll work? <laughs> hey, we've tried everything else. What could possibly go wrong? Oh, my. There's no downside to this. Now, why do they want to tear apart this light, light burden and easy yoke? See, I remembered what I said. Look at me. See, brain cells are working and everything. Why do they want to tear this apart? Because the dirty, rotten, evil, wicked sinner, I think that's all of it, sees any command of God, any rule of God, as an affront to his autonomy right. and his pleasures of the flesh. Right, it's really a war against God and his word. It is, it is. Because of what? Who do we want to be ruler of the universe? Well, we always want ourselves to be. There it is. That's right. why it has been said yeah. theologically, and I understand the sentiment behind it, that the root of all sin is pride. Proverbs 16, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before stumbling, which is one of the reasons why the gospel call is the antithesis of pride. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be technical, the antithesis. <coughs> James 4, or not, yeah, James 4. God gives greater grace, and it says God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. In other words, don't trust in you, trust in him. Don't look to you, look to him. Don't establish yourself as ruler, follow him as ruler. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep, and let your laughter be turned to joy, and your more I'm sorry, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. That's how this is supposed to work. That's the gospel call. That is how this is always supposed to work, is that we are turning from ourselves, turning from our sinful pride, turning from our our, our idolatry, you say that three times fast, yeah. and turning to Christ and him alone. Now, that is what they are doing. God has the best answer ever. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. <laughs> Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, when Lou got here today, see, I was here a little bit early. When Lou got here today, my, my, how wait, how old, how old? My nine-year-old son had decided he's going to body slam me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, my, my nine-year-old child who is on the autism spectrum, so food is always a fight, who probably weighs like 60 pounds soaking wet. I told him like maybe in 100 pounds we'll talk about you body slamming me. But right now, he, he, when you got here, he was on like five minutes of this. He, he tried the two-leg takedown. He tried the one-leg takedown. He tried to wrap around the waist to pick me up and throw me. It was hysterical. And I let him go on for a few minutes, and then when it was time to stop, I picked him up and dropped him on the couch. <laughs> now, why do I tell you that story? Because I'm proud that I can beat up the skinny nine-year-old? No. This is how God deals with the world. Right. We're the skinny nine-year-old. Be like, I'm going to beat you up, you big, bad, meanie God who won't let me have my freedom and my autonomy and do everything that I want. Ah, you're mean and you're rotten and I'm going to body slam you. And God's like, what are you people doing? Like, come talk to me in an eternity or two and we'll see what happens. Yeah. And that's the problem. So this is the greatest response. As the Lord looks down at the stupidity and says what? 
This is stupid. Yeah. Now again, what what's one of the rules? Don't this, do dumb things. Don't do dumb things. Yeah. This is a dumb thing. Warring against God is a dumb thing. This is why I have no respect for Satan, by the way. When people are like, you need to be careful. No, no, I don't. Satan needs to be careful because Jesus is one and Jesus is standing there with the backhand ready to go. And at any moment, that's coming and this is all over with. I don't need to be careful. The demons need to be careful. They're the ones warring against God, not me. So he, this laughing God, will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury. Yeah, see, this is, notice this. When God finally does show up, see, he, he doesn't just show up and be like, now children, you need to behave. For sure. See, when I picked the scrawny nine-year-old up above my head and dropped him, I dropped him on a couch because there was padding and cushions there. He's not going to kill himself. When God picks up us scrawny nine-year-olds, he's not dropping us on the couch. Dad's showing up and he's taking his belt off. That's how this works. That's how this was always going to work. Go back to your law. Go back to Deuteronomy 32. Is it not laid up in store with me, sealed in my treasuries? Vengeance is mine in retribution. In due time their foot will slip, for the day of their calamity is near, and the impending things are hastening upon them. For the Lord will vindicate his people and will have compassion on his servants when he sees that their strength is gone and that there is none remaining, bond or free. And he will say, where are their gods, the rock in which they sought refuge? These are the rebels, by the way. Who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offering. Let them rise up and help you. Let them be your hiding place. See now that I... I am he, and there is no God beside me. It is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded, and it is I who heal. There is no one who can deliver from my hand. For fun homework, go read the rest of Deuteronomy 32. It will most certainly do you good. Excuse me. I think the point is made, though. When God shows up in the time for you to get your whooping, what are you going to do about it? Nobody can deliver you from his hand. That's what he said. Nobody. You want to see a picture of this? Revelation 6. Mm -hmm. The kings of the earth are hiding and begging the mountains to hide on them, to fall on them and hide them. I've been scared before. I get my butt kicked. I've never been so scared to be like, you know, if somebody just dropped a mountain on me, I think I can hide there. I'd be all right. Like, I've never thought that was a good idea. That's how terrifying this day of judgment is for these people. That is... That is what is awaiting for them. That is what is being promised here in this psalm. He will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. This is where your Old and New Testament starts to connect. When you start looking at your apocalyptic texts, both old and new, this is the rock formed without hands of Daniel chapter 2 that smashes the statue in the king's dream. The final kingdom. This is it right here. I have installed my king upon Zion. I already know who this cat is, and he is going to bring victory. uh, Nebuchadnezzar saw it. Daniel promised it. Who is it? Again, you get to Revelation. It is the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. Revelation 13, 8. It is the Lord who has redeemed his people, the one who is worthy of honor because he has taken the reproach and the shame and the suffering, offered the sacrifice, and stands perfect in heaven on behalf of his people. He's going to come back. And when he comes back to quote uh, Kurt Russell in Tombstone, hell's coming with me. <laughs> I remember that. See, that's a good, that's a great movie. I always wanted to grow up to be Doc Holliday, but not like the real Doc Holliday. I wanted to be Val Kilmer's Doc Holliday. I mean, that, that dude's just cool and under control, and, and that, that's, my, that's my spirit animal is Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I was just seeing a clip of him today where he was uh, <coughs> making fun of um, 
the other gunfighter. Oh, I forget his name now, but he was doing. Oh, Johnny, when yeah. he's doing the cup thing. Yeah. yeah. Instead of the instead of the pistol, he's spinning the cup because because yeah. he's not worried about it. Yeah. And when it comes time, he shoots him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Well, I think what we've just learned here today is watch Tombstone. It will do you good. Uh, yeah. It's a good show about <laughs> justice, man. Yeah. Now, what will that judgment look like? I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many crowns. And he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Oh boy. The armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, are following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There you go. That's the king installed upon the mountain. That's what it looks like when the kings of the earth take their stand and be like, we got this, we can take this guy. No. Yeah. No, yeah, they you lose miserably. can't. Yeah, they do, and that's that's the it's the most anti club. Oh, hang on, I'm so apoplectic, I can't compose words. This is why I love all the left behind books and stuff. And you, know, I mean, I, I don't love them, but I, I kind of get a little chuckle out of them because you get the movies because they're like, when's the Battle of Armageddon? Who cares? It's over in like four seconds. So Jesus comes down with the sash and the sword and the flaming eyes and the whole bit, and he's like, and all the armies assemble against him. He's like, all right, you lose, you lose, you lose, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. We're done here, let's go home. (laughs) It's like there's no assembling to fight. We assemble so we can watch Jesus whoop everybody. He opens up a can, eternity is ushered in, and we're done here. There's no standing. That's why the Lord here in Psalm 2-4 is doing what? (laughs) You people are going to assemble and war against me? (laughs) Yeah. Who do you think you are? I mean, isn't that the question he asks Job after Job demands a hearing and argues and complains and whines for 35 chapters? God shows up and says what? Who do you think you are? Jesus shows up in Revelation 19, and the punchline is, who do you think you are? The serpent hasn't accomplished anything. Satan hasn't accomplished anything. That's why Peter can warn you that he's a roaring lion. But if you resist him, he flees. Why James says to stand firm and resist, to walk in wisdom. Because if you do, you're standing on the side of God, and you can't lose. Literally, you can't. It's not physically possible. So, excuse me. What happens? I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ooh. It's got interesting. That's quoted in the New Testament, isn't it? This is quoted sort of at the baptism. It's also quoted at the transfiguration. You see this when... Jesus is transfigured, Elijah and Moses show up, and what do you hear? This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. It's Matthew 17, by the way. So we now know what? That this king is the son. So the king, who is the anointed, is the son. Son of who? Well, the only person who could ordain such a king is God. So it's got to be God's son. So that tells us also that the seed of the woman is also going to be a seed from God. It's not just going to be any old dude. It's not like Eve's just going to, hey, here's a kid. Look, this is him. Getting some more knowledge here. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. This is what Jesus earns, right? 
He earns this because of his work. This is what Paul is talking about in Philippians 2. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance of man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him. What reason? Because he was obedient to the point of death, fulfilling the command, the, the decree that was given before the earth was formed, being the lamb slain before the foundation, being obedient unto that. So that it, I'm sorry, for this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow. And if you're reading along in the NSB, notice how that's set aside. That's a quote from the Old Testament. Every knee will bow before Yahweh. Yeah. Christ. God in flesh, Son of God, knees will bow of those who are in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. <clears throat> Made mention of this earlier. You see this in Revelation 5. The people around the throne before the Lamb are singing what song? Worthy are you to take the book, to take the book and break its seals. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Amen. Amen. That's how this is supposed to work. The ends of the earth will be given to this son who is king, who is the anointed Messiah of God. Why? Because he will crush the nations that have been in rebellion. Why will he do that? Because he will redeem the people that God is bringing into his glorious eternal kingdom. Yeah. Now, you shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. This is why God's laughing. This is what we're talking about in Revelation 19. There's no war here. There's no there there to fight. They fight. God wins. Again, we are the nine-year-old. You don't fight against God. This is what Moses learns in Exodus 34. I mean, you're going to pass by Moses and proclaim the glory of God. What should you say about God? The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. Nothing new under the sun. Judgment comes upon all who it is due. You see this in Hebrews. If we go on sinning, Willfully, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy and the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severer punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God, has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, has insulted the Spirit of grace? This is what happens when you say, I'm going to tear apart the feathers, the feathers here, the fetters. This is what you're saying, I'm going to cast God aside. This is what you're signing up for. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. We read that. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. See, you don't want to walk away. <coughs> Excuse me. You don't want to be cast aside because you are in rebellion. You want to walk in lockstep with God. You want to be on the side of the dude who's body slamming the nine-year-olds when you're one of the nine-year-olds. <laughs> right. I'm going to keep coming back to this analogy because I think it works. It does. Now, therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. This is wisdom in action. That's what discernment is supposed to be. Read Proverbs 1. This is the point of wisdom so that you would know the way of God, discern the way of God, and then, wait for it, walk in the way of God. 
It's not so you'd be wise in your own eyes, but so that you would be wise in his sight. Worship the Lord with reverence. Rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son that he not become angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. So in other words, this son who is king, who is the anointed, is also the judge, but he is also the what? The savior. He is the one who will turn back. This is the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes. The punchline of Ecclesiastes is what? The conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every evil, every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or whether it is evil. Fear God and keep his commandments. Yes. Yeah. It's the duty of all men, <clears throat> mankind. Now the problem is I wake up one morning and I discover what? I'm a dirty, rotten, evil, wicked sinner. What now shall I do? Jesus has told you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Right. And when Peter gets to proclaim this in the square, he proclaims what? Acts 4. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Very true. This is why you see, this is why you see the preaching you see in the beginning of Acts. This is why you see the exposition you see from Paul throughout his epistles, because what is he pointing to? He is pointing to Christ, the work of God, the ruler who is to come as the suffering servant, the Savior now. Trust in him, turn to him, walk in his ways, so that this bad thing does not come upon you. It's mercy. Yeah, yeah. and in Deuteronomy 4, it talks about, you know, when God is, is talking to the people, tell them that keeping my commandments will be your wisdom in yeah. the sight of these people. And and the people, they're, they're either going to capitulate or they're going to scoff. Yeah. And, See, that's and right problem. now, that's where we're at. We're at yeah. the, the scoffing. Yeah. See, that's because that's the problem because this goes back to that pride thing. I don't want to walk in his commandments. I want to walk in my commandments. Now, if you haven't figured out by now, Yes, I, I kind of sped up a little bit at the end there because I want to make sure we covered all this. And I'm looking at my timer going, right. <laughs> right. I want to make sure we don't lose all our time because we do want to make this application in this little switch here. The doctrine we're talking about is the sovereignty of God here. And the reason why we're, we're dealing with this as a view of sovereignty is because that's what's literally being proclaimed in Psalm 2. Yeah. It is the sovereignty of God in what area? Rule, law, judgment, salvation. This kind of covers life. Who is supposed to be the authority on earth as far as the human perspective? So who's the highest authority in your nation, humanly speaking? Well, your president. Your president, or in this context, your king. Yeah. Well, when the king is saying, I will war against God, we don't go, well, you know, God has given us a king, and Romans 13 tells us that we have to do everything that he says. And since he's going to war against God, woo! Okay, here we go. We all go to war against God. Yeah. Bad move. Yeah, see, that would be dumb. And remember what the rule is. Don't do dumb things. So when the king wars against God, he is setting himself up against the sovereign Lord of all creation. We follow him, not the nitwit who's warring against him. He turns into the, 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 the gesture. Yes. He's the clown. He's the fool that has said in his heart that there is no God. So ask yourself these questions. You ready? Where does God rule? That's well, easy. Everywhere. Yes. Yeah, simple. Over whom does God rule? I think that's a whom there. That should be a whom, right? Well, it's everyone. Exactly. Now, who opposes this rule? A fool. <laughs> the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Right. Now, practically, 
Who really opposes this rule of God? Well, they can't. It's a facade. No one. Who tries to, though? The answer is everyone. Everyone. And this is what separates the believer from the unbeliever, is we are all in rebellion at one point or another. I got news for you. Christian, you ready? This is where we're going to be really technical right now. If you are in Christ, walking in the grace of God, seeking to keep his commandments, you are not in rebellion against him. Right. You are not. You may be found in sin, 1 John 1, 8. You may not be doing what you want to do, as the end of Romans 7 makes clear. But you are not in rebellion against him. You are seeking to honor him. You may be failing, but you are not in active rebellion. Right. This is because the work of Christ, he has cleansed you. He has declared you not guilty. He has brought your case before the Father, and your case is being adjudicated fairly and honestly based on the work of Christ with whom you now identify. The Holy Spirit, therefore, is indwelling you. Need some water. And is giving you that kick in the butt, the kick in the back of the head, or the kick wherever else it is you may need it so that you will follow rightly so that when you realize, oh, I am not where I want to be, you don't continue digging. You get out of the hole and you get back on the path, as, um, as Bunyan once put it, you get back upon the king's highway and continue your journey to the celestial city. There is a difference between that and what is going on here in Psalm 2, where the nations of the pagans are pagan in big time, yo, and they are just going, no, we don't want your grace, we don't want your mercy, we don't want your rule, we don't want your authority. What they're saying is we don't want reality. Because again, where does God rule? Everywhere. Over whom does God rule? Everyone. So to reject that is to go, no, 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 you know, I I don't think I like the way this looks today. Look, we live in northern Illinois. Around mid-January every year, what's the temperature? Well, it's really cold. It's really cold. Yeah. Typically, you know, we get a nice little couple of weeks span in winter. The people in Canada are laughing at us. They're like, yeah, right, come visit us sometime. But we get a couple of weeks span typically where the temperature will drop below freezing one day. And anywhere from one week to three months later, it'll get back above freezing. <laughs> and I mean highs, lows, doesn't matter. In the, in the sunshine, it's 10 degrees. It, it's, it's a lovely time. Now, if during that span, I looked out and said, you know what? Dag nabbit, it's going to be summer today. And I put on my sunscreen and put on my shades and put on my bathing suit and flip-flops and lather myself in sunscreen and go stand outside and wait for the nice warm weather. What's going to happen to me? You're going to freeze. I'm going to freeze. And I'm going to be an idiot because I am warring against what? Reality. Welcome to the foolishness of the world and the lie that sin communicates to you on a day-in and day-out basis. It is trying to get you to war against the reality that there is a God. He is king. You are not. He has decrees. You do not. He has a law. You do not. He has offered you grace. You have not. And he is commanding his creation, and you are not. That just is the way of things. Now, are we laying this on a little thick? No, I think we could probably go a little further, but it's it's good for what we're talking about here. Okay. Yeah. The reason why this becomes important, we're letting Lou be Jiminy Cricket today. He is our conscience to make sure we're understanding this correctly. <laughs> Congratulations. You get the top hat and the cane today. All right. I need to bring you a top hat. That would be a good look for you, I think. Get you the monocle. Yeah. yeah Somewhere yeah. between Jiminy Cricket and the planner's peanut guy. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> or just, Clink. I'm you can do it with a German that. accent. Yeah. I don't care. I know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> That's Schultz. 
Schultz is the sergeant who knows nothing. Right. Yeah. yeah, I've been watching. They're on Sundance, and I can watch them on demand every once in a while. Uh-huh. I get like three or four a month that I can watch, and I'll like binge them all in one day when I have time. And, and I don't know why that, uh, but Hogan's Heroes is infinitely entertaining to me, and it's completely mindless, and it goes nowhere. Like they never get out of the camp, apparently. They're always there. Right. And, but I just enjoy the show. But anyway, that's neither here I nor there. It growing up. Yeah. yeah. It's worth it. This matters because if we do not understand the sovereign rule of God in that the, that he has a sovereign rule of God, all of this place makes less than no sense. And you will wind up worshiping, trusting in, and proclaiming really dumb things. Conversely, if you do not understand the totality of the sovereignty of God, even if guided by the Spirit of God, you will believe and proclaim equally dumb things. And you will fail to see the emptiness of the world as it attacks. And you will fail to see the, the bankruptcy that is contained within their threats and their, their violence, so to speak. Now, why do we highlight this? Excuse me. We highlight this because of our neighbors to the north. The place I affectionately refer to as Canada, because that is where Canadians must come from. They must come from Canada, just like Floridians (laughs) must come from Florida. (laughs) We love you, Canucks. It's okay. We mean it. Grace Life Church in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. You guys have known this story for a while. If, if you haven't, you've been under a rock. But they have violated, violated, violated the COVID restrictions because they basically said, we don't see the point of any of this. And we have a command from God from Hebrews 10 to not forsake the assembling of the saints. And I am super duper paraphrasing their argument. If you'd like to read their argument more thoroughly, go to their website. They have all the links, everything you want to see. Go look it up in Grace Life in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I agree with them. I, I'm, I'm right there. They didn't close. We never closed. Some of our people stayed home. We stayed open. We had church the whole time. You can go back and listen to the downloads. Well, the Canadian authorities arrested their pastor, mm-hmm. threw him in the Huskow for 35-ish days. Yeah, for a little over a month. Yeah, let him out and be like, well, just make sure you come back for your court date. Like, dude was going anywhere anyway. So he went back to church next Sunday. Yep, the very next Yeah, day. so that did not sit well because the one thing Satan hates the most is to be mocked and ridiculed. Which is why I do it every chance I get. So they showed up this past week to block off the church with a fence. Now, majority of the church just decided to meet someplace else. So the there was a protest that showed up on this past Sunday, and some of it was probably church members. The vast majority of it is probably not. It's not a large church. They don't have this many. They don't have a few hundred people to show up. So rather than the Canadian government taking their black eye and tucking their tails between their legs and going home like they were supposed to, let these people take the fence down and have worship because this insidious group assembled to, wait for it, sing songs, read the Bible, and pray. Vicious. Yeah. Wicked people. Where's the, we need a bulldog. (laughs) These wicked people did this activity. The Canadians managed to hunt up 200 police officers to bar the building. Isn't that more than would actually be in a church service? Yes. They're violating their own COVID restrictions in order to keep people from violating their COVID restrictions. (laughs) Just think about that for a minute. Yeah, that's got to sink in. I think it's ludicrous. I mean, they're... It's lunacy. Yes, it is. Now, my hope is 
that from from estimates that I've heard, about four or five hundred people showed up on Sunday. My genuine hope is that that number will triple by next week, mm-hmm. and then it and then it'll double again the week after that. And and I hope the Canadians have to send every cop, mountie, and horse that they can find to that church to keep people from gathering. I really do. I would go, but I literally don't have a passport, so I can't. They stop me at the border and like might shoot me if I tried to cross, and right. it's just not worth it. But seriously, if you're in that area, go. If you know anybody in that area, call them and tell them to go. Because this this needs to happen. Caesar does not get to make this call. The Canadian government does not get to make this call. They do not get to gather and say, you can't gather. I love this. They don't get to gather with more than people that probably would have been at church that Sunday and say, you don't get to do this because they're not God. And what the Canadian government is doing is being in an uproar, seeking to tear off God's fetters. Christian, please remember the end result of that. Right. God laughs, which is why I say I hope the crowd doubles every week until the Canadian government backs down for multiple reasons. First of all, for the number of people that saw 200 armed officers show up and be like, good, it's about time they did something about these evil Christians. Lots of people said that. Lots of people think like that. Yeah. yeah. They need to see something. The second reason is because, Christian, we've already won. The Canadian government is not sovereign. The United States government is not sovereign. Joe Biden isn't sovereign. Chairman Mao wasn't sovereign. Whoever the nitwit in charge of China today is, Un in North Korea, he's not sovereign. None of them are sovereign. God is sovereign. He rules over everyone, everywhere. And he has told us how this battle ends. That as we walk faithfully, doing what he has commanded, Assembling his people, worshiping his great name, rejoicing in his great salvation, discipling one another, proclaiming his mercies and grace. We win. When he shows up to finally have the final knockdown drag out, it's, it's over. No laughing, no crying, no, no, no arguing, no negotiating. It's just over. Kind of like the walls of Jericho, isn't it? And the walls. Come tumbling down. I set him down. I set him off, guys. Sorry. He was waiting for that. Again, go listen to John Mellencamp. It will do you good. (laughs) The Cougar. (laughs) John Cougar Mellencamp. Yeah. Again, as I said Sunday, he was Prince before Prince was Prince. He's like, I'm John Mellencamp. No, I'm John Cougar. No, I'm Cougar Mellencamp. No, I'm John Cougar Mellencamp. Wait, now I'm John Mellencamp again. Maybe he's just schizophrenic and like different people were writing the songs. And by different people, I mean he was just listening to the different voices in his head. <laughs> Something to this. Because yeah. the same guy who writes The Walls Tumbling Down is, doesn't sound like the same guy writing Jack and Diane. Doesn't sound like the same guy writing Little Pink Houses. For you and me, right? Exactly. Right. And, I, and I'm ashamed at how many John Mellencamp songs I can just name off the top of my head. People are like, what are you doing? What's I it? have no idea. Who are you? What am I doing? Where are we? They're like, what's a Mellencamp? Exactly. Yeah. Don't you get those at the grocery store? They're like four for a dollar or something like that. They're sweet in the summertime. <laughs> what kind of store are you going to? <laughs> Finally. <clears throat> Nobody asked, but that frog in my throat just came loose. Yay, go me. <laughs> Nobody asked, but you'll be all right. So understanding the sovereignty of God matters because it determines how we live. Because believe me, there are plenty of Christians also going, I don't know why this is such a big deal, guys. I don't know why you can't just not meet for a couple of weeks and let the government get off your back. Because the government doesn't get a right to be on my back. That's why. Well, that and 
if you give them some ground, give them an inch, they take a mile, and they don't ever give it back. No, and on top of that, I'm not called to worship the government. I am called to honor authority. But again, when the king stands in opposition to God, I am not called to take up arms on his behalf and walk to war with him. I'm called to go, king. You're going the wrong way. Mighty royalty. You're being a moron right now, and I'm not going to be a part of this. Well, I'm going to put you to death if you're not a part of this. Then you know what? You can go feed me to the lions or whatever it is you're planning on doing because no, I would rather you kill me than me march into battle against God. That's, that's just me. Okay, that's just where my brain's at. So when the government says you shouldn't meet, and look, I was never on board, ever on board with anything shutting down, not even once. But I would give you some slack if you went March and April and you were like, okay, let's just, we don't know what's going on. Let's be cautious. I got news for you. You've known now for over a year. Have people died? Yes. Have people gotten sick? Yes. Is the virus real? Yes. Is it as bad as they say? No. No, it's not. And that's just honest reality. And if you allow government dictate to determine how you worship, where you worship, when you worship, you are no longer following God, but you are standing in lockstep as they shake their fist at him and seek to tear his fetters apart. Yeah. That is where you are. Too, you know, they, well, they are. They're using this, you know. <laughs> Absolutely pandemic to further their agenda i've been saying since march this was all about power it was never about public safety right and so i mean we as a church have managed to have worship every sunday with people nobody's gotten sick here nobody we've had funerals we've had weddings we've had lots of functions we've had lunch on sunday afternoons we've had all sorts of stuff nobody's gotten sick here and i'm willing to bet you're gonna be able to say the same thing about grace life because nobody's getting sick in a lot of these places right because once again, this was never about safety. It was always about power. It was always about seeking to tear apart God's fetter, to seek to cast off his rule, to remove the easy burden and light yoke that Christ offers. That's all this was about. It, it was not anything to do with, well, we want to just make sure you're safe. It was ye be like God. That's what this was is we'll have the power, we'll have the authority, we'll have the might, we will wield it against you, and you will worship and do as we say, when we say. Christian, no. Because they're not sovereign. They're not in charge. God is. So as we walk, as we worship, as we assemble, as we make all of these decisions, make them in light of who God is, what he is doing, and what he will do. Because again, that punchline of that Hebrews chapter 10 is, it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. The living God. Yeah. The living God, yeah. This is not the side of the fight you want to be on. You want to be on the side that is God. Which again, why I say, if you're in the area, go. Like, get the bus, go have church, make them stand there and enforce this. Because they haven't got the gumption. Right. It hasn't, it hasn't come at a cost yet for them. <clears throat> and it needs to. Yeah. It needs to. And I'm to the point now, again, I, I've, I've been saying this with our little Bible study that meets on Wednesdays. Until the majority of this population gets up, and by this population I mean the world in general, and just says, no, we are following a higher, better thing. They're going to keep doing things to test you and to push you. This is what you get with the transgender stuff. Yeah. This is what you get with the rainbow agenda, the alphabet soup people. This is what you're going to get with the COVID stuff. 
You're going to continue to get these stupid regulations and these idiotic dictates because all they're really seeking to do is get you to war against God on their behalf, which is what they're trying to do. And until we recognize that God rules, God reigns, man is supposed to submit, we're fighting the wrong battle because that's what needs to happen. Now, real quick, notice I did not say go and fight the cops. Notice I did not say go and overthrow them, take their guns, and beat them to death. What I said was do what they tried to do this week. Show up. Read Psalms, read scripture, sing some hymns, worship and pray together. Because that's the weapon. The proclamation of the mercy and goodness of God. That is wielding the sword of the Spirit rightly. That is having the armor that is faith and the trust and the hope that is Christ girded around you and confronting this darkness with the right weapons. Testify rightly. I don't make sure that we have church every week. So that I can tell the government, ha ha, you can't close us down. I make sure we're here every week so that we can worship and proclaim God and that our people can gather. And if you come in and ask, why are you doing this? You're just doing this to take a stand. No, I'm doing this because God commands that we gather and I think we're doing it safely. And everybody here thinks we're doing it safely and there's no issues. Therefore, we continue to do it and we will continue to do it safely. That becomes the distinction. This was James Coates when he went before his, with the judge on his arraignment. Are you just trying to make a mockery of the rules? No, I'm trying to be obedient to Christ. Right. I don't care who you people are or what you people say. I'm being obedient to Christ, him and him alone. And he commands that the people gather. He commands that his name be praised. He commands that we read scripture. He commands that we exhort one another. He commands that we pray. He commands that we disciple one another. And he tells us that you can't command us to do otherwise. This is where – I mean this is the 500th anniversary this year. I need to look up the exact date, but we're coming up on it close. 500th anniversary of the, uh, the Diet of Worms. Here I stand. My heart is held captive to the word of God. Yeah. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Amen. Yeah, Martin Luther. Yeah, that's Martin Luther yeah. proclaiming to – was it Emperor Charles? Was it Charles V? It was one of the Chucks. Uh, I don't remember the emperor. Look up Emperor Chucky. It will do you good. <laughs> or to Emperor Chuckles if you prefer. <laughs> Lou's like, I cannot believe you said that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can believe yeah, I said that. I can. And you just like you know that if I ever got the chance to stand in, pun a, in front of the Pope, I would call him Pope Francicus. You know I would. That'd be epic. Popus, Popus Francicus. What? You, Frankie, Pope dude, big hat. Yeah, that's you. Funny hat. Because I don't care. Yeah. I'm Schwarzkopf before the Queen. That's me. That was one of the most awesome things I've ever seen in my life. I remember that as a kid. They were, I forget what award the, the Queen Elizabeth was presenting him, mm-hmm. and he's supposed to like kneel down to receive it. And he's like, no, I'm an American. We don't do that. And I was like, yes! <laughs> That's my general. Yes! Yeah. Good old Storm and Norman. <laughs> Storm and Norman. <laughs> it's a good nickname. It's a good nickname. Yeah, I remember him. You're going to be in charge of an army. You don't want a nickname like Peaceable and Kind. That's not the nickname you want. You want, like, beats people for fun before breakfast. That's, that's the type of the, the attitude you want to instill in people. That's, that's what you want to deal with. Oh, we have people showing up for Bible study early. The nerve. The nerve. So, have we missed anything? No, I think we're pretty thorough. Did we actually cover it all? Uh, yeah, you, yeah, you were a machine today. Bam! Yeah. That's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you went so, right through it. All right, so what have we learned here today, children? God is king and sovereign over all. We must ground our decisions in God's rule and not man's. Evil never tires of shaking its fist against God. It's done it from the beginning. Evil will continue to do it, and we'll do it till the end until Christ returns, opens up a can, and ushers in eternity. 
So, questions, comments, complaints, send them to info at practicaltheologyministries.com. Go to the website, practicaltheologyministries.com. You'll find links to everything, resources, books, articles, podcasts. Um, share with your friends and neighbors. Um, we've had some binge downloading this week. It's been kind of fun. Nice. So, I can say hello to our like Canadian listener. Hopefully, you're in the area and you can go to the protest and give them our regards. Tell them we said hi and we're praying for them. Um, appreciate it. Give us good reviews. Love you guys. Until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye.